given to me by Woody Shaw, Sonship, Dizzy, and John Kahn, dedicated to pursuing a piece of our cultural heritage through interviews with my music heroes. This is the Jake Feinberg Show. High above 2919 East Broadway, this is a special New Year's Eve edition of the Jake Feinberg Show. Happy New Year as we end 2016, moving on into 2017, transcending the cycle of life and death, and we thank you so much for making us part of your day today. As we turn the calendar on another year, the Jake Feinberg Show has morphed into an extraterrestrial program dedicated to creating new information and enlightenment. The show is like a steam locomotive, upwards of 130 plus interviews in 2016. But now that my tentacles have spread out across the world, I have been commissioned to produce a documentary on the legendary saxophonist Stan Getz, who resided for a decade at the Gershwin Mansion in Irvington, New York, which is just a stone's throw away from Poughkeepsie, where my guest today hails from. To this host's knowledge, my guest and his siblings were the only local cats who went to the summer funhouse known as Scatico, who also lived in that region. When it was time to pack our trunks and grab that last breakfast, my guest was hooking up with a girl on girl's side, knowing he could sleep when he got home because home was the Hudson Valley. This upstate toughness behooved my guest in his professional endeavors. He's a master financier who has learned as much outside the walls of academia than he did within. My guest was a counselor of mine, and his unpredictability was his signature. Everyone might be getting ready for Twilight League, and my guest is returning from three days off just in time to come running in with a torn flannel and a Kingston played again sports baseball mitt. As the evening commenced, my guest would make it look effortless, running out a slow chopper to third, taking an extra base on a pedestrian right fielder, or getting under the skin of the teetotaling Aziz, sparking a rally that would lead to victory. One thing that I've always admired about my guest is that sometimes... I'd see him walking to mess with his brother Charlie. This was not your everyday walk. This was a dressing down from one brother to another. 
a tirade showering down from my guest after word got out that Charlie had been disrespectful in hurting the family name. This always has had an imprint on me and my brother who strove for a similar hierarchical structure as related to the point of pride known as family lineage. I haven't seen my guest in some time, but as soon as I reached out to him, he was more than willing to jump into the fray known as the Jake Feinberg Show. He is well aware that we're all branches of one tree, leaves of one branch, and fruit thereof. Andy Bernard, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Jake, it's great to be here. And that was a hell of an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I just, I mean, just riffing off the top of my head yesterday just came flowing out of me. So, I mean, Andy, can I ask you in your current uh, situation professionally, how much improvisation is required in your work? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, there's a ton. So I'm a commercial real estate developer. And what that means daily is uh, constant negotiation, renegotiation, and solving uh, strange, difficult problems. Can you give an example of, of, I mean, maybe in this year, something that that you did in your own, that you had to trust your gut, and it worked out for you in that vein? Sure. Um, so we were uh, we're building a hotel in Los Angeles, and it's surrounded by, the site that we're building on is surrounded by neighbors. Uh, and we had to get our neighbor's permission to dig uh, and tie, essentially insert structural supports into their land underneath their buildings. Right. Uh, this was a, I would say, a nine-month nego- tri-party negotiation, and uh, I just went about it trying to establish a rapport with these people as individuals. You had some uh, professional uh, institutions, and you had two um, very sort of concerned residential owners who, you know, were uh, worried they were going to be taken advantage of. Uh, and so I think I, I've always kind of prided myself on um, connecting with people on, on, a, on a, just a human emotional level. And although this was a um, expensive and um, sort of critical negotiation, it was the the people stuff that ended up getting us through. Right. I mean, you all only had to assuage those, those cats that were, uh, that were uncomfortable about it. I mean, was it, I mean, was it merely, uh, you don't have to get too detailed, obviously, but I mean, it's like, yeah. well, I mean, was it merely compensation monetarily or did you actually really connect with them emotion, like hit it off and they, and you wound up, uh, just, they, they acquiesced. Well, uh, it could have been a very expensive, mm-hmm. we could have just paid them, right, uh, right. but I was able to, to do it in a way that uh, only cost us a very small amount of money with one particular um, party. So it was, it was about just making them uh, comfortable with what we were going to be doing, that we weren't going to damage their property, demonstrating to them that we had done our, our homework um, and knew what we were doing, and that you know when we started digging, their house wasn't going to collapse. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Andy, I'm not sure. I don't think Andy's in the trenches, but he's definitely making, connecting people, developing relationships. I mean, I, I, you were just for the reference. I mean, you were on the on the left coast for a minute, right? I mean, you were out in Los Angeles, and you just you moved back. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like know that, that you moved back. So can you can you can you just update the the greater Scatico family on your on you know where you've been the last uh, you know three four years as far as going La La Land back to Connecticut. 
Sure. Uh, so I uh, was in Los Angeles from 98 to 2003, right after college. Did some terrible uh, film and TV acting. And um, <laughs> What did you act in? <laughs> what, wait, no, wait, wait, what did you act in? This is great. Well, Jake, the highlight of my career, I would say, was as Interplanetary Explorer number three wow. on the prequel to Pitch Black on the Sci-Fi Channel. And the apex of the episode was when I got to... Uh, I got enveloped in a sandstorm. I vomited and then died. That was really the sort of the highlight. Um, I mean, it's yeah, but, but still. So, so you, but you did. That was something that you kind of wanted to get out of your system, or you were. I mean, you exactly. Wa- you you wanted to have that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Continue. Well, you know, it's funny. I I, uh, I was interested in film and TV, but I think I've always been kind of drawn to things that um, are hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a friend of mine once told me we were at a bachelor party in New Orleans and we're sitting uh, on a balcony overlooking Bourbon Street and he pulls out a pack of parliaments and I pull out a pack of rolling tobacco and uh, right. he looks over he's like, Andy, why do you always have to make everything so hard? Um, and, I, and that sort of stuck with me. I think I am attracted to things that are a little difficult for whatever reason. Masochist, well, I don't know. No, I think um, that, I mean, part of it is what it comes down to is that certain cats, I mean, it's uh, things come easy and you realize early on it's it's there's no challenge so you'd rather push yourself to the point and you can come back to bite you i mean i have cats i know cats in tucson all over the place but they they te- they can get a, get in trouble by by pushing the envelope too hard but i you know the truth is um do you th- do you attribute some of that i this is the major crux of of my question is is were you the was the Bernard family the only family from Hudson Valley to go to Skatico? Uh I believe uh, Jordan and Kevin Small were uh, uh, the the only other local family that I know of, also from Poughkeepsie. Jordan Small was from Poughkeepsie. Yeah, man. Wow. Okay, so can you talk about the idea of like, were you when did you become aware of Skatico originally? Sure. So. My first summer was 84, so it would have been uh, probably the fall of 83. I was seven, and uh, my dad said, hey, you know, would you be interested in going to summer camp? And I said, sure. Uh, and it, it turns out that he, he went to camp, and actually so did his father. So we're third generation. Wow. Um, wow. My dad's dad was one of the first campers that, when it was at the – the other location, which I can't remember where that is. Do you happen to know? You know, I should have gone back. No, I, I mean, uh, Irwin, there was a, yeah, there was an old location, uh, and the name escapes me at this point, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but go ahead, yeah. But he was at yeah, that so, place, yeah. Um, my dad actually didn't know if, if Skatico was even still in existence. He only went for a couple summers, uh, you know, when he was really young and so didn't really have any buddies. So he, we got a bunch of brochures and, Got one for Scatico, and then Big Flick came over with the reel to reel, and yep. <laughs> showed the That's movie, and and that was it. Uh, but I mean, but but I mean, this and and it, obviously you're seven, but your dad wasn't even aware that camp was twenty miles, what fifteen miles away, really, or less than that. No, he did not. He, he did not know that it was still around uh, wow. at all. You know, it's it's funny. It's uh, forty five minutes, uh, but it's worlds away up there. <laughs> Is it because you? I mean, this to me is fantastic because I mean, your family, uh, the lineage. Go, so the, 
So once you got to Scatico, seven year Andy Bernard, nineteen eighty four. Uh, not necessarily. Who was somebody that made you feel instantly comfortable? Uh, at Scatico, I mean, for me in 87, you know, I had the similar reel to reel. It was like, uh, yeah, it was a film kind of uh, showing from Dave and, and Irwin. And uh, and then I wound up there. And, and, and you know, Fat Man, Ayrton was just right there, um, you know, getting me involved and, and sort of breaking it down for me. But can you talk about a seminal cat who... Uh, well, I, I just got to chill because he was the guy I was going to mention. He was... Um, wow, unbelievable. Upper senior. Yeah. Yeah. For senior my my first summer and uh i was in bunk one or bunk two actually i was in bunk two yeah and i remember him coming back after one of his socials and giving me some m&ms uh you know late at night oh. and just talking with me because i was homesick uh and, and so he was the first person that really sort of broke through that initial nervousness that that you have as a new as a new camper i, I love that i love that man he, I mean, he was, well, he told me about bug juice too. I thought I was literally going to start <laughs> drinking bugs, but no, it was, you know, it was like, it was, it is an intimidating situation. I mean, had you ever, and you'd never gone to day camp or anything like that. I mean, this was the first experience uh, away from uh, home? No, I, I did. I did do, um, you know, a couple of weeks at a day camp. I think it was a JCC camp in Poughkeepsie. Um, another sort of. Uh, Let's be interesting. JCC I, in Poughkeepsie is interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I, all I remember from it is uh, actually it was kind of scarring that we had a play. I remember being on stage during the play in front of all the parents and looking down, and there was a big puddle of pee right at my feet. I got so scared. Well, you know, I but no, on. no, you know what, dude? I got you know for this documentary on Stan Getz. Getz was playing the harmonica. It was his first instrument. He was, uh, you know, and his mom. I mean, they lived in the East Bronx, very, very poor. Uh, Jewish ghetto uh, in the early 19, uh, roughly the 30s, and and uh, and his mom got him all dressed up in all white, and he had the harmonica and he was playing Oh Suzanne and he urinated all over the floor, you know. So it's, it, it happens. Oh, it, it happens. Oh. It happens to the best. But where I guess the you know, good company. A huge company. No, listen. This is stage fright. But the thing is, the Bernard family. Charlie has never been. He's always been pretty out there. Your sister's always been out there. Where is the thespian? Uh, lineage in the Bernard family where does that come from that is a great question because uh, <laughs> you did you just mentioned uh, the the sci-fi stuff so you guys have always had that right. flair for it yeah I guess so man I, I, I don't know maybe it's maybe it's more uh you know a, a vanity than, than <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> good answer man that's a good so there's no but there's no like family member you can point to that did vaudeville or was in the movie you know there wasn't like somebody you emulated from your from the bloodline no, you know, the, the the only guy that comes to mind is uh, my grandfather who owned a women's clothing shop uh, in Poughkeepsie um, called The Up-to-Date, and uh, he was a really sort of larger-than-life character, mm. um, very big personality, kind of a snappy dresser uh, for the time. Maybe it comes from, from uh, Grandpa Chuch. Uh, that's the only thing I could think of. What did he used to – what is the seminal moment, like – what did you used to do with him like that you used to that you can remember well i, I remember going to a store and uh, him showing me this is way back way back showing me <laughs> going all way the back yeah fur, yeah all the women's furs and and being i was being just sort of like amazed that you know there were there were all of these furs uh, that, that this man had, had command of um <laughs> That and he had a huge great dame named Odin that I used to ride around like a little horse. 
Right, right. This is fantastic. Talking to having a ball with Andy Bernard here on the Jake Feinberg Show, New Year's Eve edition. Um, have you, you know, this is hard. I, I am, uh, I've been totally doing something improvisational, uh, barely making ends meet to support my family. But I wonder about, I, I, this is sort of a, more of a macro question for you, but have you, yeah. do you desire materialism? Have you ever desired materialism? And if you have at this point, do you need anything else in your life from a material point of view? Hmm. Well, let me consider that a minute. Um, I think for me, it's, it's more about not wanting to rid myself of the, of a worry about money, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to a collection of things. Um, and feeling, you know, getting to a place where I feel comfortable that, um, you know, we're going to be fine. Uh, that's been more of a motivation than, than uh, I'd say, you know, material things. Does that make sense? I just wish you could go a little bit deeper because, uh, yeah. I mean, there's always the worry about the financial component of it. It's Is it a matter of, of you know, carving out your own niche so that you are – so that you have your own voice and that you have your own, you know, that you're not, you don't need to be reliant on anybody or I, mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we just, to me, there's a spiritual materialism that has really creeped into our society more than ever before. And hmm. for somebody that is working, you know, as a, I guess, commercial real estate developer, I mean, what is that your title? Can you say your title? Yeah. 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 I work, I work for a company that, um, we, build and, and uh, own commercial real estate from hotels to office buildings to apartment buildings to condominiums. Um, no, and so, so, I, this, so like before, like you, I just want, like when you said before, you're like with those two neighbors that were deeply concerned about you going in and doing that, uh, you yeah. know, the, the, and, and you said we, we could have just paid them. I mean, we could have just got, you yeah. know, let them go. And, and to me, like that is something that's kind of, that's always part of capitalism. I just feel like we've, move towards the berserko side of capitalism. And I just wonder how you, mm-hmm. you balance that. That's w- more than I'm getting at because th- there are people that you could just say, I don't give a, I don't c- care about the relationship. What do I care about these people? Yeah. You know, I, I want to make a lot of money, you know, and that, and right. I, I want to know how you, how Andy Bernard balances that on a day to day basis. Okay. Uh, so uh, I think I've got a decent answer for you. Uh, <laughs> and, it, and it relates to, um, yeah. uh, it relates to my sort of career path. So, out in LA, was doing film and TV, struggling, uh, you know, to financially. It was tough right out of college. Fall 2003, my dad ends up getting really sick and mm. is in the hospital from August to December. Um, when we realized he's going to be able to come home, I decided to move home, help him with um, his rehab. We had a family business and also sort of applied to business school and law school because. I was sick and tired of not making any money. And right. I just decided, you know what? Mm-hmm. I see all my, these friends of mine that I think I'm, you know, of a comparable uh, brain power to making a ton of money, doing investment banking. I didn't even know what that was. And so I thought, I'm, I'm ready to do this. And I want to sort of, you know, see what I can do um, in that realm. So applied to business school and law school. Ended up deciding just to go to Penn, to Warden. Um, went and got a job in an investment bank, really with the sole purpose of, I want to learn finance, I want to make a lot of money, I'm sick and tired of struggling. Um, and so I went to Warden from 05 to 07, graduated in 2007, 
worked at Morgan Stanley for six years and happened to be the worst possible time to be at an investment bank <laughs> in the history. It, okay, I mean, but, no, okay, so this isn't, oh, this, you're, you're waxing poetic. It, was it just for the, the greed factor? Is that what you're, I mean, can you break down why it was bad? Well, it was, it was bad because nobody, if you went to work at a, at a bank uh, with the idea that you were going to make a ton of money right out of business school, as a, you know, as a junior person, right. you were totally wrong. Yeah, right. uh, and, and, and so <laughs> I did not. Right. My big plan, you know, to make a ton of money uh, was, I mean, certainly it was, it was better than, you know, struggling in L.A., but uh, this idea that everything was going to be easy once I got this degree and, and got this job was totally misguided. And I, and I think the lesson for me was it, I would have been better served by doing a little more thinking about what would have um, and what I would have really loved uh, in, in, this, in this realm, uh, in this professional realm, as opposed to just trying to get the banking job to get the bonus and, and, and go that route. And it took me a while. But I did find that commercial real estate was what, what I wanted to do. Uh, and so today, I, I'm doing what I love. And the next step, and I think this is part of what you were asking at the end, yeah. is to have my own business. Exactly. Uh, Jake, I, I hate working for people. I know. I can't stand it. Right. <laughs> I, I can't work. do it either. I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. So that, yeah, go, this is beautiful. I, I, I you know... I guess I guess go, as we move into the new year, I couldn't think of, I mean, what are the steps that you still need? Are are the steps that you need to take to get to that next? Can you see what you need to do to get to your own company, business? 100%. Um, it really is having, uh, well, it's, I think it just depends on the scale that I want to start at, out at. I could do it uh, today. However, I'd like to be able to start with something a little bit, larger and so i'd like to get uh you know another another round mm-hmm. so to speak under my before i go out on my own i'm just saying we have tucson it has a treasure trove of strip malls that are vacant i mean the economy here is riddled it, it's prime mm-hmm. commercial real estate uh down mm-hmm. here um but, you know, I also, this is another important thing. You went to a, a very accomplished business school at UPenn, Wharton, Wharton Business School. Um, I'm not saying, I don't want to make it sound like it's useless, but how much mm-hmm. how much of a street scholar are you as opposed to, I mean, do, mm-hmm. do you rely on the, on the academia? So much of my focus of the show is, I, I mean, I interview the, the musician's musician, really, the, 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 some, mm-hmm. the highest level cats, and so many of them, learned on the bandstand uh countless nights in a row they they were creating vocabulary and music outside of academia now you pay to go to berkeley school of music you pay so you mm-hmm. you know, you're not gonna to me you stifle music if you're learning it within academia i'm just trying to figure out this is a two-part question what was the most beneficial thing you learned at upenn and what mm-hmm. has been the most the, the question about improvisation was more of the street scholar. What has Andy Bernard learned on your own that you've, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's your, maybe it's your, it's your uh, winning card and you don't want to reveal it, but I'm saying, what, what, can you give us something that you've learned moxie you've learned about yourself outside of academia or somebody telling you what you need to learn? Sure. Um, it's a great question, man. 
You can you can uh, sit on it for a minute. I mean, we're we're here. <laughs> Go ahead. You know. Yeah. I, no. No. I, I, a couple things come to mind. So, um, in terms of what I, I taken away from business school, I'd identify three things. Number one, um, a a sort of framework and a a grounding in basic business principles and finance, which I had zero knowledge of. Right. Uh, I was an English major at Colgate. This film and TV stuff, I knew nothing. I literally, <laughs> one of my still closest friends from business school, in one of the first few weeks, he took me aside to his apartment and he said, Andy, I'm going to teach you how to use Excel, Microsoft Excel, the computer program, because I can tell you have no <laughs> effing idea how to even open the damn thing. Yeah, I don't either <laughs> still. Yeah, no, I dig. I dig. So getting um, a sort of a basic foundation uh, then allowed me to get to the second thing, which was understanding that even though I hadn't had any of this exposure before, it's not that hard or that complicated. There's a lot of jargon, particularly in finance, uh, and there's a, there's a, a value to obfuscating um, what it is people actually do uh, so that it seems more complicated, harder, and you can charge more money for it. Yeah, and, exactly. And sort of getting a look behind that curtain is extremely valuable to me. And that's the broader lesson is that uh, in terms of street smarts, just knowing that after doing what I've been doing for, for a while now, there's rarely a situation where if I sit back and just take a minute and take a breath, um, there's rarely a situation where I feel overwhelmed or overmatched because it's just taking things a bite at a time, uh, breaking them down simply, uh, and I'm able to navigate it. And I, I wouldn't have been able to have the confidence to do that um, had I not gotten thrown into the deep end of the pool um, in business school. Could you give an example from this past year about uh, using that uh – you know, one bite at a time and over, or, or maybe initially feeling overmatched and then ultimately realizing that you, you had it all together. Yeah, sure. This is a little technical, but, um, we don't have to get, I'm just saying, you know, if it's, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds. I, I guess maybe here's yeah. the, here's the better point. It doesn't have to be related to work at all for Andy Bernard in oh. 2016. Tell me the most inspirational thing that, that you witnessed or that you went through in, in this past year. Well, uh, so I've got twin daughters. Uh, they're seven. Oh, that's um, great. And, <laughs> you know. I'm surrounded by girls, that, too, so I, I know what it's like. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're outnumbered. Uh, we're outnumbered. Yeah. Yeah. You've, got, you've got two, you've got, you've got one. I got, no, I got a two, uh, 11, and, 11 and four. Nice. Yeah. What are their names? Hannah and Asia, both palindromes. All right. Yeah, that's, like that's great. You have two twin daughters, so go ahead, continue. Yeah, so they've, um, you know, in the last year started tackling reading. Uh, and so being a part of that process of helping them learn to read, that's inspiring. Uh, I love that. Um, that, that. That's just an amazing thing to me. Um, but then secondly, my wife uh, founded a company uh, almost two years ago, and she works her ass off, and it has, it's, started to take off and it's doing very well uh and so that's been a really inspiring thing is to to watch her um really 
put give it a hundred and twenty percent and 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 see something that was just an idea take shape into a uh, a full fledged real uh, business and a brand. Uh, those are the two things that's that have inspired great. me. No, I mean that's I, you know I'm, I know cats. I mean I'm six years into this and it's I've been busting my my butt. But I I mean to me it's like there's nothing more satisfying that. Uh, and I also think success is a relative term. I mean, uh, you know, to me, it's like I, mm. I, I'm not. That's uh, one reason I, I really don't want to live in the, in the on the East Coast anymore. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to be in the rat race. But I wonder. Up in Tucson, man. What was? How'd you get there? Uh, just a bad acid trip. No, actually, uh, went from <laughs> went from Florida. Uh, came out to grad school here to be a teacher of the visually impaired, and and then I met my wife and. Mm. And I just, I mean, the tempo is, I don't know, it's a, it's an amazing spiritual place and, uh, and it's, and you know, all the magic and has happened to me here. I just, my, my, uh, my question is, do you think your girls will taste the, the, the lake of Skatico? Will they get to Skatico? Great question. Yeah. Uh, they ask me so many questions about it. That's uh, great I mean, though. That's oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. That's, love that's exciting. It, it is. And I, I think, um, Galen and I would like to uh, expose them to it and sort of, you know, bounce it off, bounce it around and, and see and let them lead the way on that. Um, uh, I uh, selfishly, I don't want them away from me all summer yet. <laughs> um, you know, no, fish, you know, uh, uh, Craig, Craig Fischelberg out in Chicago said the same thing. He's like, I, I, I cherish my time with my kids. I don't want them to be gone, yeah. which is, which is hysterical because our parents were just dying to get rid of us uh, for those two months. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, uh, A.B., before I let you go, I just, you know, it's part of my show is, is dedicated to the concept of love. I'd like you to talk about your concept of love and, and ultimately how you bring love to your world. Well, okay. Uh, I'd like to do two things. Um, I'd like to tell you a, a funny story about my first kiss, which happened at camp. Um, yeah. I was thinking about love as a theme and, and re- remembered this. Uh, and then... You know, maybe I'll get to uh, I'll get to the the deeper question. So, my first kiss happened with a, a wonderful young woman named Judy Gross, uh, and it happened by the canteen in that sort of row of hemlocks that's running up towards the pagoda. It was the end of the social. This was 1987 or 88, probably, um, and I was a year younger than all the kids in my division. Uh, so this was a you know a more experienced. Lady, uh, it's important to know that as I relay this story. <laughs> so at the end of the social, and I'm like working up the guts to give this girl a kiss. You know, it's like all I can do to, you know, look at her. And, uh, you know, they sound the, somehow we know that it's like time to go. And so right. I'm a full mouth of braces, and so, so is she. And so I lean in, and I go to give her a smooch, just like a, you know, a kiss, a, that kind of a kiss on the lips. And this young lady went for the real deal, a full <laughs> French kiss. <laughs> and so it was a disaster. It was like an immediate, you know, oh, shit, we just screwed this up. And so we're standing there even more awkwardly than uh, we were before we tried. <laughs> right, kiss. right, right. And I, I, I knew I had to salvage something, so in my best, like, Sixth grader Don Juan voice. I said, "Judy, you want to try that again?" <laughs> Very quick, <laughs> man. <That's... laughs> this time you guys were both, and then that you both were on the same page at that point. Yeah, uh, I, I love great. You know what? 
you can right right from there just to me that anyway you want to get deep you go ahead and get deep if you want to talk about love i mean you got two daughters you have kids i think that it's important uh in this time we're about to enter a very uncharted waters in our history just want to get your concept of love on on the record sure um well i think and this is something i've been trying to work on in my own life lately is to be open to a diversity of ideas uh and and an acceptance of um people and and i think i'm guilty of probably being fairly decent at that out in the world right uh, right and, in your own home, in my own home, being open to how to do things differently. And it's usually the mundane stuff uh, because when you take care in those little moments, it seems to just go a real long way, man. Um, I totally dig it. I'm going through the same thing. And I, I, I just, you know, I mean, part of it is letting go. Part of it is also, mm-hmm. you know, listening and hearing and then ultimately uh, – complying and I, I or going along with somebody uh you know what is the most important thing you know and uh and to me that is that is my family and 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 yep. and that uh but it's hard sometimes especially when you're when you know people like us were pretty strong-headed and believe that we know what is right and, you know exactly and we don't we don't <laughs> no we don't i mean we don't i mean uh but I think we just need to pick up on this conversation uh, down the road. I, I'm Andy. I, I had a ball with you, man. It was such a it was such great hang. I gotta tell you, I got a, a just a real thrill from hearing from you, and I, I love chatting. So anytime, man, I'm I'm up for it. Hey, and have, yeah. Best right. of luck with this and the Stan Getz thing. It's awesome. It is. No, it's it's we're 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 rolling straight out. I'm going to be interviewing Tony Bennett at the end of January in person, and it's going to oh be God. yeah. It's 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 going, man. So just keep the good vibes and Happy New Year. Much love yeah. to your family, and uh, and we'll talk soon, man. You too. The Bernard love the Feinbergs, dude. Always. See you, Later, bud. Oh, just heard from Andy Bernard. Scatico, your face will continue with Brian Baruch right after this.